Hello everyone, welcome to Wisdom Hatch. Wisdom Hatch is a podcast about growing in your career and growing your money. So we talk about concepts around finance, economics, money and career discovery. So on today's video, we will talk about concepts around economics that every student should know. So I have with me my co-host Ayushi Chand. Before I hand over the mic to her, very quick introduction about me. My name is Akshat Srivastav. I am an ex-management consultant with BCG and Dalberg. I graduated from NCR and currently I run my own VC fund. So over to Ayushi. Ayushi, if you can speak out the agenda and before that, if you can introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Akshat. This is Ayushi. I'm an Indian Economic Service Officer and I have worked with the government for the past six years. I am a core economic student. On this particular episode, we are going to talk about five core economic concepts that every student should know. Wonderful. So the reason why we structured this particular podcast is very simple. That if you are actually studying economics or business, maybe you would know about these basic concepts that we will be speaking about today and you would be deriving a lot of benefit. But if you are an engineering student or if you are someone who is not aware of these basic fundamental concepts, it can hurt your practical life. So with that said, we will explain this concept or we will explain these concepts in a very intuitive manner and hopefully you will derive a lot of value from this podcast. So let's get started Ayushi. So what is the first concept that we are speaking about today? So the first thing that we are going to talk about is debt. Now in very simple terms, debt is anything that you borrow. There are two kinds of debt, good debt and bad debt. So Akshat, would you care to explain what is good debt and what is bad debt? Sure. So this is not a textbook definition, good versus bad debt. We are just making it up to make the concept a little bit more intuitive. So just to understand and make you understand this concept holistically, a good debt would be something where you are taking a loan to make an investment which turns into an asset. For example, you take education loan. So you are actually making an investment. It's not an expenditure. So if you are taking an education loan, the understanding is that, hey, I'm taking my education loan to go complete my MBA or MS degree. And that degree is going to keep paying me more dividends over the entire span of my career. So that is an asset. An asset is a commodity or a thing that actually helps you generate more money in the future, right? So the debt that you're taking for such items, which are asset oriented items, that debt can be categorized as good debt. On the flip side, the bad debt would be something like buying an iPhone, right? It's a it's a depreciating asset. When you buy a phone or when you take a loan to buy a car, essentially what is happening is that every year the value of that commodity, that car or that iPhone is going down. So that could be classified as a bad debt. So the point or the key summary that we would like to explain here is very simple that debt in itself is not a bad concept. A lot of people assume that, hey, I should be completely debt free. But that is not really the case. Sometimes when you're starting your business, especially if you're starting an infrastructure heavy business, you might be required to take a debt. So that is the overall concept of debt. So anything else I see that you would want to add here? I have an interesting question to ask on this particular concept. Now, a lot of people, at least in my parents' generation or in my grandparents' generation, they believe that taking loan to buy a house is considered to be good debt. Why? Because house is something which whose value appreciates in the future. It is something wherein you can derive your rent from. So would you categorize buying a house as a good debt or a bad debt? Sure, Aisha, I think that's a very interesting question. Now, the point around buying a house really depends on a lot of factors. The first and foremost being in which city you are buying a house. For example, these days, if you're buying a house in a metro, then the growth rate of that asset, because here the asset is the house, the growth rate of that asset might not be very high. 
when our parents bought houses in delhi or mumbai or similar big metro cities those cities used to be very small even if you look back 15 years ago gurgaon was not very developed right 15 20 years ago it was just you know very very remote so to say but over the last 15 20 years the houses in gurgaon have gone up in massive value because that region developed similarly greater noida right which has developed over the last few years that has gone up so it really depends right i mean house can be an asset if it is purchased in the right place but generally speaking these days the growth in the real estate sector has been slow so i would categorize it as neither a good debt bad debt i would rather categorize it as something that you need to do your due diligence on and then only you should purchase but important point that i would give you with is very simple here that buying a house create something of a liquidity problem right so liquidity means that hey if you want if you have some emergency expense that comes up and if all your money is tied up in your house right that you might own a house of 2 crores you might not be able to sell it off very quickly so be aware of that liquidity and just consider debt from that perspective also wonderful explanation akshar now second concept that we are going to talk about is inflation inflation in very simple terms is price rise let me give you an example here when i was a child if i used to go to a market and uh, i used to buy 1 liter of milk it used to cost me rupees 20 now as i'm growing up i'm seeing that the price of milk the same milk has is increasing day by day for example today it costs around 45 rupees the same milk right so this in very simple terms is inflation now the pertinent question to ask here is why does inflation happen the very simple answer is because as the economy grows as there is more output as there is more production and as salaries of people rise there is price rise in the goods that are sold also so inflation is a very very natural concept it happens in growing economies high inflation for example if there is an inflation of more than 7 to 8% is considered to be extremely pressing and it requires certain intervention by the government low inflation say around 2 to 3% is considered to be good for the economy wonderful now the practical application of inflation how does it impact you if you are a student is very simple and you can understand this from an example that all of us would have a bank account and we would be putting certain money in it our parents would be putting certain money in it so every month let's assume that we are depositing money and now our savings bank account has 10 lakh rupees hypothetically speaking right now if the inflation is very high let's assume that the rate of inflation is 10% then by the next year your value of the money that is kept in the bank account will go down if the fd is only paying 5 or 6% which is currently the case or if your savings bank is only paying 2 to 3% because you need to calculate the return in real terms so real terms means that the fd rate is 6 or 7% and inflation is 10% then the money then the rate at which your money is decreasing is 3% right which is the difference between the two so keep this in mind this is how inflation actually play, plays out in the real life and it can actually impact your savings right so it's very important to understand the concept of inflation and then accordingly make investment decisions whether you should be investing in gold bonds fixed deposit stock market cryptocurrencies etc so i hope this this discussion was insightful about this inflation next concept we are going to discuss is around supply and demand and how it leads to price discoverability so over to aishi and she will explain the concept so supply and demand are very very important concepts for any student to learn about any market is guided by two factors which are supply and demand now let me give you an example here last year due to the lockdown people in a state of panic started buying a lot of masks and sanitizers 
right the demand for those goods increased many fold however the supply could not be matched to the increasing demand what did it lead to the excess demand meant that the retailers could actually charge very high prices for these goods on the flip side gradually the manufacturers they amped up the production of these goods so much so that the supply was increased many fold and it could easily meet the demand for the masks and sanitizers so the price of the same goods they gradually fell in effect the demand and supply of a particular good deta- determines its price in the market now sure from a practical perspective this is something that you might be able to relate to the supply and demand equation plays out even in the job market so i'm sure that many of you might be preparing for placements to companies like bcg mckinsey jp morgan etc and you might understand that the demand for such jobs is very very high almost every classmate of yours would want to work with these kind of companies so demand is very high but are the supply of jobs supply of these elite jobs is that high the uh, short answer is no right in a country like india right now the supply of jobs is very few so therefore it leads to a lot of competition so this is how supply and demand plays out in real world for students now moving on to the next specific topic that we are going to talk about it is the concept of economic nudges so i let ayushi explain what economic nudges are and how it is being implemented by governments and in practical sense so in order to understand nudges better we first need to understand incentives what are incentives incentives are essentially carrots that are dangled in front of people to enable or to push them to act in a certain way for example schools they give incentives to students in the form of prizes or appreciation letter or medals when they perform well in the class parents also sometimes give incentives to children with you know ice cream or screen time for doing their household chores economic incentives include cashbacks discounts which incentivizes people to buy more public policy makers and governments they use something called as economic nudges to incentivize people not to act in a certain way or to act in a certain way right for example in metro stations you would have observed that there are posters which say that use stairs to stay fit now this is a nudge by the government to encourage people to actually take the stairs instead of the escalators this would Uh, help them in order to develop a healthier lifestyle absolutely now thinking from a student's perspective if i ask you a very interesting question the question is that hey how would you nudge a recruiter to take a look at your resume now that's a very interesting thing right so essentially the nudge that you can create here is very very simple when you're writing to a recruiter you can say that hey i have created a video resume and here is my text based resume attached as well now video based resumes are something which are new in the market and very few recruiters have actually gone through it so there is a more incentive for the recruiter to actually check out that email so to say right so creating these small small nudges are very important when you actually reach out to someone for networking make sure that you are putting someone who has introduced you for example if you know someone from that particular company let's say you are applying for a job at mckinsey and you have a referral there then specifying the name in the subject line itself it can create a nudge for person to open up that email and actually read the content so these are small small nudges we will talk about specific job search strategy in some other podcast but i just wanted to contextualize the concept of nudge in terms of your career search strategy as well now the final concept that we are going to talk about today is the concept of opportunity cost so i let aishi explain what opportunity cost is so opportunity cost is again a very important concept in economics it basically 
can be understood from the phrase that you cannot have the cake and eat it too anything that you do has a trade off so for example if you have 10000 rupees and you decide to buy a phone with it then you cannot use those 10000 rupees to do something else for example invest so those 10000 rupees as soon as you buy a phone with it those that money is gone you cannot do anything else with it anything in life that you do has an opportunity cost if you're spending one hour doing a particular thing x then you cannot do thing y in that one hour so in terms of time money everything has an opportunity cost right now this works on the principle of regret minimization framework so this is a lot of big entrepreneurs use this framework what it essentially means is that hey if today if i am a college student and if i have an opportunity to go and become the president of the consulting club and if i am executing that opportunity then possibly i am missing out becoming the president of the finance club right because i can't do everything right so you need to live your life as a college student minimizing the regrets that you would have and understanding opportunity cost becomes very very important so i hope you found this podcast to be insightful i'll let aishi close it out and we will see you on the next episode So with these five economic concepts we are going to close out the first episode of Wisdom Hatch. I hope that you could derive some theoretical and practical insights into the concepts. We are going to discuss more such concepts in our next episodes. Have a good day, stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.